thank you for checking out Faith City's podcast. We believe you'll be blessed by the Word of God today. So this morning, we're going to continue in our Thank God series. And today, I titled it, Thank God, I'm His Child. Thank God, I'm His Child. Let's look at Matthew chapter 18 as I take a sip of the wonderful coffee from our cafe. Am I advertising? Yes, I am. So get a coffee afterward and a pastry. And uh, I want to look at this in, in Matthew chapter 18 as we look at this idea of being a child of God. And I want to expound on that somewhat today and, and see what it is that Jesus is trying to convey to us in the gospel here of Matthew. Chapter 18, starting with verse 1, it says, At about the same time, the disciples came to Jesus asking, Who gets the highest rank in God's kingdom? Now, I think it's, it's really interesting here and kind of funny that the apostles... Being with Jesus, seeing the miracles, seeing who Jesus is, seeing his love, his grace, and what he would do towards people, the first question on their mind is, hey, hey, uh, am I going to be first? Who gets the highest rank in the kingdom? Here's the answer Jesus had in verse 2. For an answer, Jesus called over a child. This is interesting. So he calls over a child. He stands this child in the middle of the room, and he said, I'm telling you once and for all that unless you return to square one and start over like children... You're not even going to get a look at the kingdom, let alone get in. Now, these are pretty powerful words. What is Jesus trying to say? And then he says this, Whoever becomes simple and elemental again like this child will rank high in God's kingdom. What's more, when you receive the childlike on my account, it's the same as receiving me. So Jesus is saying something interesting here. He says, Unless you change and become like little children... You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean, and how do you do that? I think when Jesus said stuff, I've said this several times, but I don't think the Bible was a mistake or accident or, hey, let's just write this or write that. It was inspired by the Holy Spirit, and there's a reason why what Jesus said was recorded. So why would Jesus say this? Well, some of us might say this, Pastor, that's easy. He's talking about having the faith of a child, childlike faith. And although that's not a bad answer, I think it misses the mark in a very important way. See, Jesus isn't talking about children here. He's talking about little children. And if you want to really get the context of what he was saying here, he was meaning infants or toddlers. Now think about that for a minute. An infant or toddler, that's, that's the mindset that we should have to enter the kingdom. So what did it mean when he said we must become like an infant to enter the kingdom. We're going to discuss that today. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you. Once again, we're here. We're open. We're willing to hear what it is that you would have to say. We thank you for your word. We don't have to guess what it is that you say and what you mean. We can simply look into your word. I pray that as we look into the word today that it would bring change to us, repentance to our heart. We would see things differently. We would see you differently. We would see ourselves differently and it would bring about lasting change in our lives. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. When I was just a little guy, I was probably about two years old or so, you know, you probably picture me as this sweet, innocent, young man, right? Apparently not, Ruby. She's shaking her head no. Um, well, you're right. You hit that on the spot. There was a little rebellion there, a, a little rebellious spirit going on. Well, when I was about two years old, um, I was over at my grandpa and grandma's house with my parents, and some of my uncles were over. And the one thing that I loved to do over my grandpa's house was play his pool table. 
Now, he had a pool table down in this basement. Now, I wasn't allowed to go down there all by myself. I had to be with Grandpa or someone else, and it was cool. I loved being with Grandpa. Grandpa Brancic was just a really nice, kind-hearted man. Some of you remember him before he passed away. And, uh, but he, he, one thing he wouldn't let me do is use a cue stick. He said, you just have to use your hand because I don't want to you know, have you, you know, jack up my felt. He didn't use the word jack up. I did. But he didn't want me to mess up the felt or rip it or tear it. Well, one of these days we were over there, and, and I was playing, and, and my uncles and my dad and grandpa said, hey, let's go shoot some pool. And they often would do this. So they headed downstairs. Well, I'm about two years old, and I'm really excited about going downstairs and hanging with the, you know, the big people and, and playing pool maybe. I probably wouldn't get a chance, but I wanted to be down there. So I immediately jump up from what I'm doing, and I run over to go downstairs. And my grandma says, oh, Andy, Andy, just a minute. I'm like, what? And she's like, you need to come pick up your toys. Now, my grandpa, I don't know if he made this. He was, he was amazing with wood and, and carpentry and stuff. But we had this, this toy box over there, and it was full of all these blocks that we would play with. They're wood blocks, different sizes, and I love to stack them and knock them down and just have fun with them, you know. So I'm there playing, and as I get up and run away, my grandma says, you need to come over and clean these up, Andy. She wasn't being mean. She just wanted me to clean my mess. I'm like, and I kind of looked at her, and she was telling me this story some years later, and she says, you just had this, like, you were glaring at me, and you had this scowl look like, how dare you, woman, ask me to clean something up. So I marched over there. She said, I stomped pretty hard, and I got down, and I started grabbing the blocks, and she said, I grabbed the blocks, and I was looking at her as I was throwing them, into the toy box. And I'm thinking, why didn't you swap my butt? And she's like, you were too. You're a grandma, right? So I'm throwing these in there, and I'm just like, I'm so irritated. So I finally picked them all up, and I slammed the lid shut, and I walked over towards the basement so I could go down and play pool. And my grandma says, thank you, Andy. Thank you for cleaning up after yourself. And I'm like this, and I scowl, and I start to walk down the stairs. And then I, I thought for a second, apparently, not really hard, and I got back up, and I looked across, and I looked right at her, and I said, Fa Gamma. It went really silent. Now, I'm not going to interpret that for you. It must have meant fun, Grandma, right? But I said that, and immediately she's like, what? And when she was hearing the story, my dad was hearing it, and she's like, where would you have learned that language? But I said, Fa Gamma. As a two-year-old, this is what I'm saying. You're like, that's a great story, so it's okay to swear as long as you're two or more? That's not what I'm saying. In fact, I don't think you need my permission for some of you. You do it anyway well enough on your own. And it's okay if we come up with different words, right? But I'm thinking about this at two years old. I'm cussing my grandma out because I didn't get my way. Now, some of you are still like going, I'm sweating right now. We're in church. Did he just say that? No, I said, fuck. You could take that any way you want. But here's the fact of the matter. Here's my point. Little children aren't always innocent and humble. But here's Jesus, he's, he's addressing us as being like little children. And we go, oh, little children. And, and it made me kind of study this out a little bit. When you look back at Matthew 18, what did he mean when he said we must become like an infant to enter the kingdom? According to some commentators, if you look at commentaries of this section and what scholars have said, they'll give you different reasons why. For instance, one, one scholar said this, he says little children because they are without worldly ambition. Another says this, because they don't count. In other words, they were considered losers in early society. In early society, in Jewish society, kids weren't like in public, someone who could say, hey, I got a plan, I got an idea. It's like, you need to close your mouth, right? Children were seen and not heard. So this scholar thought, well, maybe that. Another commentator says, children are honest and without guile. They're capable of receiving love. Another says, they are humble. 
See, I think these are all fine interpretations, but I think they fall short of Christ's meaning here. Here's the question. What's special about little children? Why would Jesus say we need to come to God as little children? I've been thinking about this a lot lately. You know, I have had little children in my house running around. In fact, I still do because I have grandchildren now. I've got Barrett. He's just over one a few months ago, toddler. I've got Landon. He's just an infant, just a few months old. And, you know, I, I watch them, and, and I see their lives, and I see my kids' lives, and I think about what the commentators say, and I'm thinking, you know, I never once considered my child or grandchild to be a loser. Never once. I never considered them necessarily to be humble or without ambition. And as for being without guile, I mean, I could sit here for hours and tell you stories about myself as a toddler and my kids as a toddler, and we could have some laughs and some gasps on what happened. You know what? Kids aren't innocent, are they? Little children aren't innocent. So what is Jesus talking about? And sure, they're capable of receiving love, but wouldn't you say that even older children and adults are capable of receiving love? What is Jesus talking about? See, I don't think that these are the defining characteristics of little children. So what are? Let's look at that today. And let's look at context. You know, Jesus had a lot to say about children all through the Gospels. And I think we can look at this in context if we look at different Gospels. Uh, For instance, in Mark chapter 10, People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, to bless them. This was a a tradition they would do, especially with rabbis or or people who were of religious. And many people called Jesus a rabbi, so they wanted their children to be touched and be blessed by him. But in Mark, we have the situation where the disciples were rebuking the children. Now, let's not get bent out of shape at the disciples necessarily. I mean, tradition wasn't that kids really had a right to speak, to just come as they please. Here's the master. He's healing. He's teaching. He's doing things. The children want to come see him. They want to experience love and blessing from him. And the disciples say, no, 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 no. No, listen, he's busy. He's too busy for you. And it's interesting here because when Jesus saw this, it says that he was indignant. And what did he say in Mark 10? He said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Then he says this, Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. He says it again. And what did he do? He took the children in his arms. He placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. What makes little children special in the context that Jesus is talking about? I think there's one key thing we can look at today and for our own lives and how we walk this life called Christianity. See, what makes little children special is that they are helpless. Think about an infant. Think about a toddler. They're completely helpless. The kids in the story, they didn't come to Jesus. They were brought to Jesus. Uh, Many of them couldn't walk, so what? They were carried to Jesus. Some couldn't stand, so what did Jesus do? He held them. And guess what? He did it with full delight. Jesus loved children. And there's a lesson in this. In fact, if we look at Luke chapter 18, it said that people also were bringing babies to Jesus. We have babies, we have infants, we have toddlers being brought to Jesus. And Jesus saying, if you are not like one of these, you won't even see, let alone get into the kingdom. I think it's an important point to look at. So in Luke's account of the story, the little children were babies. Yet Jesus says the same thing in Luke 18, 17. He says, unless you change and become as helpless, there's that word, as a baby, you'll never 
enter the kingdom. Can you see it? This isn't about baby-like or child-like faith. This isn't about your infant-like humility. See, it's not about you at all, but Jesus, whose desire is to help the helpless. Now, th- this is tough for us, I think, especially in this society we live in, to, to, to actually admit that we're helpless, that we're in need of help. And, and you know, when, when we look at living this life, I've said this a lot of times, that, that Christianity is, is, is not easy. I say it's impossible. Why? You can only do it through Jesus Christ. You, you can't walk Christianity on your own through your own strength and through your own power. See, there's a key in here about how we should live our life. We're totally helpless when it comes to living the life that God wants for us. So what's the problem? I think the problem is that many of us are not helpless. Now hear me out for just a minute. I think a lot of us, we're just not helpless. Uh, We've swallowed this self-help gospel that if you do A, B, and C, and even D, E, and F, then you'll be blessed. We've heard things like this. God helps those who what? Oh, my gosh. Do you realize that that isn't true? The Bible says that God helps the helpless. Isn't there a key to this? God helps the helpless. See, I, I look at my, my grandson Barrett or Landon, for example, and, and I marvel at their helplessness, the things that they can't do. In fact, if I were to use my own kids as an example, you know, let, let's say that, that Pastor Kristen and I were to go away for a long weekend, say to go to Hawaii. Do you, feel, do you bear witness with that? Do you, honey? Go to Hawaii. Amen. Hallelujah. But let's say we go to Hawaii for a long weekend and we leave our infant or our toddler at home. Do you realize the, the trouble and, and the issues that they would have? Do you, do you realize that they would be in serious trouble? I mean, if it's an infant, how is it going to get milk from the fridge? If it's a toddler, how can it get its milkies before it goes to bed, right? How can it open the jar of food that it needs to open? I mean, think about these things. There's only one thing. Now, if you're a parent, you're a grandparent, if you experience any of this, there's only one thing that a little child, an infant, and a toddler can do very well, and that's this, cry for help. Remember those sleepless nights? Again? It's been an hour and a half. If I ate that much, I'd be huge, right? But they're growing, and they wake up, and they wake you up, and you're like, what is going on? But see, they can't get up and grab a bottle of milk. They can't get up and get cereal or baby food. They need us to help them. Why? Because they're helpless. I think that this is the key. In fact, in Psalms chapter 8, verse 2, it says this, From the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. From the mouth of infants, from babies, from toddlers, you have established, established strength because of your adversaries. This is amazing to me. The strength was established. Why? Because of the helplessness. This is how God works. The Bible says that God helps the helpless. You might say, okay, so, so I've been helpless. I cried out to God at salvation. He's taken me in, and now guess what? I'm in the kingdom, and I've changed from the helpless to the helped. So now what? It's so simple. Listen to this. Stay in that place of total dependence. Stay in that place of total dependence. Don't ever 
change. For some reason, we, we try to change the roles around. We try to prove ourselves to God. Listen to this, do nothing for yourself. Now, some people hear that and they're like, oh, so we're just like grace hippies? We don't do anything? No, no, no. We don't do anything in and of ourselves in our own strength. Because sometimes I believe that, that things have crept into Christianity and we've made it into a man-made religion if we're not careful instead of Jesus Christ as the center, Jesus Christ as the strength, Jesus Christ as my ability. Do you hear me? This is an important key. Are we helpless? Matthew chapter 18, again, look at verse 4. It says, therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You know, the problem is, and I'm, I'm speaking to myself here, is that we're too strong. We're too talented. Talented? Talented? We're too capable. Let's sum it up like this. We're too grown up. Like we, we come to Jesus realizing that we're helpless and we can't do it on our own. And then eventually through time, we're like, wow, well, watch this. Watch what I can do. We pray prayers like, God, help me. I need your help. But our actions say, don't worry, Lord. Uh, I got this. Only the truth is we haven't. And if we're really honest with ourselves to realize, I don't got this. Incorrect English or not, I'm being like a little child. I don't got this. Because Jesus has it, and through me, I have the ability and the strength to have this. So what do we do? We try, and we fail, and we resolve to try harder next time. And all it is, it's a total flesh trip that produces nothing but dead works. And that's not what Jesus called us to. Listen, we all have desires to do things, to do the good works that he's prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. That's what he's done for you. He's put that fruit in there. He's put those good works in there. But you can't do it on your own. And it's, it's, it's so interesting here that we come to Jesus helpless and then we continue the life realizing we're helpless as far as this life is concerned to do it right. We need his strength. We need his ability. In fact, the Apostle Paul, I absolutely love the Apostle Paul. I love his letters. He said this in 2 Corinthians, I take pleasure in infirmities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, you know what? I've never heard anybody in, in all my time as a believer, when I was seven years old, when I got saved, great testimony, right? But when I was seven years old, I'd never heard anyone say, I take pleasure in my infirmities. Yet Paul did. Now, he wasn't saying sickness is good or that there's some secret blessing because it's not. How many know sickness is from the enemy? Sin is because, sickness is because of sin that came into the world. So we don't glorify in the fact that, oh, I'm sick. God's teaching me a lesson. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying this. When you're in a circumstance in your life that you can't see your way out, it's the perfect place to be because what do you do? God, I need help. I can't do this on my own. I don't know how to respond to my spouse. They want to leave me. I don't know how to get my child's heart back. I don't know how I'm going to do this. It looks like I'm going to lose my job. I don't know how I'm going to make this car payment or this house payment. I don't know why I act this way. I don't know what's wrong with me. It's a perfect place to be because the Bible says that God helps the helpless. See, this is encouraging this morning. If you feel helpless... If you feel like you just don't know which way is up or which way to go, you're in a great place. Are you kidding me, Pastor? A great place? Yes. Because now you're in a position to allow God to help you. 
we live in a world that really success is very important. And the world's success comes as a result of what? Hard work, uh, perseverance, staying healthy. And I'm not against hard work. If you've got a great idea and you want to get a patent and push through, if you want to have a business and be the best you can at business, nothing wrong with that. Don't, don't get me wrong. Don't leave here going, oh, we, we don't got to do nothing because pastor said. No, pastor's saying that you don't do it in your own ability as a believer. So run with those ideas. Do those things that he said and called you to do. But see, that sort of success can only take you so far. Real success, the kind that endures into eternity, follows a different route. What's the path to greatness in the kingdom? Good question, isn't it? It's the one taken by the little child, the weak and the lowly. You want to do more? Guess what? Then you better do less. In other words, quit trying, quit striving, quit trusting in your own abilities. Give up and admit defeat. There's areas in our life where we just don't want to admit defeat. And sometimes it's, it's been the very... The very reason is because of the messages we've heard in church buildings. Well, you got to have more faith. Just pray harder. You need to fast. You need to pray. You need to do. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Where's your faith? What's your problem? And then we feel like there's something wrong with us because we can't perform good enough. But the gospel is completely different. It's saying that goal, that desire you have, you have that because I put it there. But you can't get there on your own. Will you trust me? Will you trust my power and my ability in your life? And we'll do this together. I think it's so important that we see this key. So do we give up? Do we truly admit defeat? I'm talking about real defeat, not super spiritual pretending defeat like, Oh, Lord, I need your help. I'm talking about, Lord, I need your help. I don't know what to do in this situation. I don't know how to walk this life. It seems impossible. And Jesus is right there who never leaves you, who never forsakes you to say, I know, because you can't do it on your own. Will you allow me to live life with you? Will you watch me? Will you work with me? Will we do this together? But so many times we feel like we have to prove something to God But you know, God himself even proves our salvation, the Bible says. Let him work through you. Realize the areas that you're helpless in and say, God, I'm helpless. I'm going to be as dependent as an infant on you right now. Then watch and marvel at what God can do with the weak and the lonely. And here's the beauty of the gospel. Jesus made it possible for us to become children of God and joint heirs with him. I do think a lot of times we hear the idea we're children of God. And we're like, yeah, yeah, I'm a child of God. But do you realize? Do you really see what that means? Is it real to you? I mean, God is your father. You are a son. You are his daughter. And I even look at my own life as a father. And, you know, it's tough when you do human comparisons to God. But even as a natural human parent, I love my children beyond belief. I would give up my life for my kids. How about you? I mean, you want to see the best for the life. And even in discipline, it's not about punishing them for their past. It's about training them for their future so they'll make better decisions and have a better life. I never once think about, I want to kick you out of this family because of what you did. See, I might be disappointed in their actions, but I'm never disappointed in them and who they are because they're mine. They're my kids. Now let's look at that from the scope of 
God, the Father, who is a perfect Father, who always gives good gifts. You know what? I don't always correct right. Sometimes I correct my children because I want to punish them. You embarrassed me. I'm sick and tired of you doing this. I don't always do it right. But God doesn't punish us. He doesn't hurl like sickness and bad things from heaven to teach us lessons. He says, get up, dust yourself off. Let's do this together. I love you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. In fact, you're acting the way you are because you don't realize who you are and who I've made you to be. This is the life that we can live in Christ. But first of all, we have to be like little children. But in Romans chapter 8, this is our final scripture, verse 16 and 17. It says, The Spirit himself, talking about the Holy Spirit, endorses our inward conviction that we really are the children of God. If you're a believer today, say that I'm a child of God. Say with meaning, I am a child of God. Maybe you need to say that every day, 25 times, and remind yourself that you are a child of God. It goes on to say, think what that means. So think about that for a minute. What does it mean that you're a child of God? And he goes on to say this. If we are his children, we share his treasures, and all that Christ claims as his belongs to all of us as well. Isn't that beautiful? This life that we have is all because of one person. His name is Jesus Christ. He is our strength. He is our ability. He is our success. We choose today to thank God that I'm his child. To thank God that in those those just deepest recesses of our heart, when we're going through the worst possible thing we think in our lives, that when we're at that helpless spot, it opens us up to receive help from him. I'm not saying that he's like, well, once you're helpless, I'll give you help. No, he's provided all the help we'll ever need. But if we don't realize we're helpless, we'll never receive the help. Think about it. We'll never receive the help. Self-righteousness is a bad, bad thing to have in our lives. We are completely righteous because of what he's done for us. But we got to realize something here, that self-righteousness is not going to do us any good. We have to realize that our righteousness comes from him and be humble. True humbleness is to say, I can't do this on my own. I am helpless. And watch God step in and do marvelous things in your life. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. It's amazing, first of all, to just realize that we are your children that we're loved by you, that you care about us. I pray today that if we've been struggling in areas of our life and maybe feeling like we're not worthy or we're less than what you've called us to be because we haven't performed well or we're having issues in a relationship or on the job or just our actions, I pray that we'd realize that we're in a good place, a place where we can admit defeat. I know for some of us that's hard to do. It's like, but, but if I admit defeat, where's my faith? Your faith isn't in you. Your faith isn't in your ability or your level of success. Your faith is in Jesus Christ who accomplished everything for you. I pray that in that helpless area, we would, we would see ourselves as being helped by our Father, being helped and directed and, and guided by the Holy Spirit in that situation. I pray for peace and comfort in people's lives right now in Jesus' name, that we won't feel like we're at the end of ourselves, 
We won't feel like we've completely failed and we're not worthy. But we would realize that it's all about you, Jesus, and you are our present help in the time of trouble. If you're here this morning, maybe you've never made a decision to say yes to Jesus, to say, yeah, I want to follow this Jesus who brings comfort and strength and ability to my life. It's real simple. It's just simply saying yes to Jesus. It's saying, I believe that God truly loved me so much that he sent his son to die for me in my place. You know, it's amazing. God never has swept sin under the rug. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. We were born into sin, but he provided a way and he paid the wages. He didn't shove anything under the rug. He paid the price. And then he simply says, here's a free gift. Will you receive it? If you're here today and you want to make that decision, and you say, yes, I believe Jesus died for me. I believe that he rose again for me and I want a new life in him. Just quickly raise your hand so I can pray with you. Anyone here today who would say, I want to follow Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father, for every person here today. I pray for those of us who have said yes to Jesus that we would once again revisit this idea of being your child and what it really means to be helpless and allowing you to be our help in times of trouble. If there's anyone here today, Father, that still is on the fence about making that decision, I pray they come back and see more of your goodness and your love for their lives. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about our ministry here at Faith City, check out faithcity.tv.